0: It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at Sleepy J underscore pregame. And I'm joined here by the baseball guru himself, Uncle Dave, better known as Dave Essler. You guys can get Uncle Dave on Twitter at Dave underscore Esler. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. So Uncle Dave, here we go. We are starting to count down the days now till we hit the first pitch in major league baseball. So guys, what we want to do is we want to go through each division and we want to talk specifically about those divisions, the players, you know, within those divisions, future wagers, props, etc. So guys, what we're going to do here is we're going to actually going to start here with the AL East. We're going to break down all six divisions starting out with the AL East today. But before we go ahead and we dive in, Uncle Dave, you know, we're 10 days away before we start this abbreviated spring training and we're about 16 days away before the MLB season actually goes ahead and has the official first pitch. Now, about three or four weeks ago, Uncle Dave, you and I, we talked, and I asked you if you were excited about baseball. You were a little hesitant at that time, but now we're only about two weeks away from first pitch, finally. Thank you. I want to know how you're feeling about the season starting up.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting that we went from a couple of weeks ago not paying a lot of attention and now i'm paying a whole lot of attention to it i'm excited about the challenge you know But the clocks ticking with baseball imminent, and maybe we we don't have as much warning as we might have in february and march and and a lot more variables so i'm actually excited that that i spent a lot of time since the break sort of thinking and, and and handicapping how i would handle different situations uh, so in, in one breath, yes, I'm excited to have sports start again. And the other breath, you know, I see that stopwatch ticking and a lot of work to be done and not a lot of time to do it. And so, yeah, um, I'm excited. I'm nervous. I mean, it's kind of like a kid in Christmas, I guess.
0: You know, when you said you're excited and then you said you were nervous, I was thinking the same exact thing. And let me explain to you, the listener, why I'm excited. One, I'm excited. I'm excited from a handicapping standpoint. That we're going to have Major League Baseball, we got golf, we got the UFC, we'll have NFL soon. Uh, you got the NHL. You know we have all our sports. You're going to have the NBA going, playoffs will be going. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be hectic, and I'm excited that there are going to be some very, very good lines out there. And there's going to be so many different ways to go ahead and, and really just skin a cat to go ahead and find a really solid bet. When uncle Dave said he was nervous. I'm actually surprised at that because I'm actually a little bit nervous too. Because I don't know where to spread myself, Uncle Dave. It's like, you know, do I, maybe I'm doing well in baseball. It's like, I just want to focus on baseball. And then I'm falling behind in, in the NBA and I'm falling behind in the NFL. And I know there's good bets there. And it's I'm nervous that I might spread myself a little too thin. And without really having any sports going right now, you know, I don't know which direction I'm going to go or where I'm going to end up. So I kind of have to, you know, really wrap my mind around, you know, not being nervous and really trying to focus on a plan. Because you and I both know, Uncle Dave, there's going to be guys out there who have games of the year in in all five sports and and UFC and horse racing and golf and NASCAR, you name it. And they're going to be out there and they're just going to be throwing darts and they're going to be, you know, seeing, seeing what sticks. And I don't want to do that. And I certainly don't want to do that to our listeners. And we won't do that. You know, when it comes to podcast time, you know, we're not just going to be throwing a bunch of crap out there. I think that, you know, we focus on one thing or two things and we say, you know what, I'm comfortable here and I'm doing well here that you're going to do well. And I think our listeners are actually benefit from that more and they'll be able to go ahead and not one, they'll trust us more, but two, you know, they're going to be able to rely on our information as, you know, these guys aren't just throwing darts and I want to make sure that we make that point clear. But you know, uncle Dave, when you said you're nervous, are you kind of nervous, you know, with what I was just saying?
1: Well, I, I'm not, I guess nervous is the right word, uh, but I'm not nervous. Like, Oh my God, nervous. I'm, I'm I'm the same nervous I am at the start of a regular season, but I'm 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 more nervous that I don't want to make foolish mistakes. You know, we talked about it the other night of you know bet early, bet late, and 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 I actually spent a lot of time thinking about how I would handle the restart of all these different sports and how I could actually be better with the time off because as you know it's 365 days a year for us and. For me, just a pregame, it's 365 days a year for, I don't know, at least 10 years straight that I've been visible. And more than that, obviously, that I've been batting. So I kind of relished the break because it gave me a chance to, to step back and go, you know, hey, wait a minute, rather than, than trying to go through the grind every single day. And And sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you don't have the time or you don't take the time. You always have time to step back and think, um, okay, what, uh, what do I need to do differently? And, 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 uh, and now I think what I've tried to train my brain is how am I going to react to different things? Cause I think the tendency, you know, I don't mind losing a bet. I mean, it's going to happen. You're going to lose 47% of them on an average year. I don't mind losing a bet. I don't like losing a bet where I was either hasty or foolish and i think hopefully i can keep that level head and not be hasty or foolish going forward so for me i think this has been actually kind of a a, you know a a psychological eye-opener for me and and hopefully because i know in the past i've been i get super streaky like i will get like white hot can't lose for a month and they have that vision but it's kind of a false sense of security because then you can get ice cold for a month, and then you start questioning what you're doing. And I think the truth needs to be somewhere in the middle. I think a a successful, better long-term will always have variations and vacillations and, and regress back and forth to the mean. But for me, I would like to get those swings to be a little less far one way or the other, And not last last as long. So, you know, I I probably rambled on about something you didn't ask me, but sorry. (laughs) You asked. It was a good chance to kind of go off on on how we do a restart
0: tangent. We could probably talk just about the restart for, you know, an hour, Uncle Dave, with, you know, how we're approaching it, what we did for a time off, you know, what we think might happen. And that's interesting, and, and it's definitely exciting. And I think a lot of my nervousness actually comes from my excitement because I know this much. I'm going to make really good bets, and I, and I could tell you right now, and I would be willing to bet on this, that our podcast over the next couple amount of months, we're going to do well. We're going to win money. We're going to find winning bets because the discipline that we have as a group and what we've done throughout you know our time off, And the way that we all handicap games and how much we actually communicate with each other and talk, you know, it's it's not like, you know, you're telling me what you're betting, Uncle Dave. And I'm like, look, think about this, this and this. And you're like, think about this, this and this. And I'm like, all right, cool. This this all adds up. And, you know, one of the things we we said before, you know, we came on is that you're going to have all these games. You're going to have all these sports going and these books are going to be, you know, they're going to be frantic and we're going to find the right bets. And those guys job. You know, their job is to put the line out. It's our job to go ahead and help them shape it. And we're shaping it with putting bets in and finding information that, you know, we think is is obviously bettable at the line that we're finding. And we're going to end up with really, really good bets. But look, we're not trying to make a whole lot of bets as we've talked about in in past podcasts. You know, we're we're trying to go ahead and and take a slower approach to, you know, where we're trying to come up with logical ways to go ahead and and get these bets off without – us getting hurt because there's a lot of ways where and I'll tell you right now you're going to see you're going to see handicappers who have been in this business they're going to end up wearing out their welcome or they're going to burn their bankroll out and they're going to piss off all their listeners or their followers because they're just trying to go in this as a salesman and that's going to happen and they're going to get crushed and they're going to give out information Way too damn early, and you are going to see guys who are, you know, zero and fifteen, and they have all these tickets stacked up, ready to get cash in September and October, and they're going to end up flat broke. That's what's going to happen. I, I'll mark my words; that's going to happen. And people on Twitter are going to see that shit. And I am not going to allow us to go ahead and, and handicap games and, and throw plays out there, you know, two three months in advance when we just don't have have the information. Anybody could argue with me, however, they want to with that, but I am telling you that people are going to get hurt. And this is a time where, you know, it's going to be the strong survive and those who are, you know, taking the right approach. And I'm not saying I have the exact right approach, but I know that you don't bet games when you don't know what players are playing in the freaking game. That's like trying to bet on the guy who's fighting Mike Tyson when you don't know who the hell he's fighting. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm getting worked up, obviously, but I'll just I'll, I'll stop with this, that the guys on our podcast are not going to throw darts. We are not going to let you down. We're going to give you the best information and the best bets possible. And we're not just going to go fire out a bunch of crap. We're going to give you logical reasoning that you can understand and follow. And at least you could believe in with that said, Uncle Dave.
1: That was like, that was about as exciting as I've ever seen you get at least on air. I mean, I don't disagree with you at all. And I've always tried to build my brand to where I had some integrity and the sad reality of this entire business um, not the not the betting part. I mean that's my money, and I do what I feel like. But the pick selling businesses, there's a lot of people that come in and 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 they're in it for short term and they need to be in it for long term. I mean, I see people that bounce around for the for the game of the year or whatever or or I might give out three or four plays on Twitter and they all lose and they think that I totally suck. Well, they would be right for those three or four plays. But you know, over the course of time, I think that we will be just fine. And it's always been my job to try to give out plays with logical reasoning that most people can understand because they may not agree. And, and you know, that's for me, that's my pet peeve, if you will, that, you know, you tend to get judged on a very small sample, uh, especially if they're new people. I have customers that have been customers for years uh, and they they're the ones that talk me through the bad times. I oh, don't worry about it. We made X last year. Um, And and I'm the one that's like, yeah, but Uh, so, you know, I love those guys. And then shout out to those guys that have been around for a decade or more. Uh, But unfortunately, that is the that is the minority uh, and not the majority. But, you know, that's my uh, that's my beef, if you will. Um, But to your point about darts, I did play darts. uh, And to your point about spectacular things, uh, I did shoot a six under today on the golf course. So let's take that forward and, and do the ALE sleepy. What do you think?
0: I agree with you, Uncle Dave. I don't want to keep ranting and raving here, but you know, I am excited. And I think that, you know, I'll, I'll throw, I'll throw our, our, our boss, you know, this is that, you know, he wants guys that are excited and guys that are, you know, like you, Uncle Dave, who, you know, one your, your, one of your best things about you is that, you know, you don't pound your chest, you know, everything you do is documented. When you lose, you say I lost. When you win, you usually don't even say that you win. You don't, you know. It's just it is what it is. Um, and you know, that's
1: absolutely correct.
0: And that's one of the reasons why we work for him is because he knows that we're excited and we don't throw darts and we don't bullshit our people. And if we have listeners, you know, we want to keep them. And we want betters to become better betters. You know, there's no loss in us with somebody else becoming a better better. There's no loss in that at all. And that's why we do this is to, you know, make those guys better, betters and to go ahead and have fun. And if it becomes where, you know, these guys are just being entertained and it's, you know, it's fun for them and recreational. Well, cool. At least they're not losing money doing it. And for the guys who are a little bit more serious, who, you know, really have the extra amount of time to go ahead and really try to make some money and invest. Well, you know, that that's, at least I know that the guy who hired us and the people I work with, like you, uncle Dave, that we're all on the same page, that we all care. And, Um, I just want to let everybody know, you know, that that we're not going to half ass, you know, this podcast and we're not going to half ass the work that we give you. That that's just not going to happen. And, you know, I'm not going to allow that to happen on my podcast. So you don't ever have to worry about that. And Uncle Dave, nobody's even said anything to us. But I'm just saying in general, we have you know, I have a lot of nervous excitement. And a lot of it is because we have all this shit coming down with all these sports over the next couple of weeks. And it's going to be you know, we have to dissect it and we have to find the best stuff. And I honestly think that, you know, throughout the entire time I've ever handicapped sports, that these are going to be the best bets that we'll ever find probably in our life. If you ball up like a whole bunch of them, we're going to find a whole bunch right here in this particular moment uh, of 2020. So with that said, let's jump into the ALE, Uncle Dave. Uh, We have season win totals, title odds. We can make the playoffs. We have some player props I found last night on bet MGM. So I'm excited about that. We'll go through the AL East guys and we'll talk about if we like them, if we don't like them or whatever. But right now let's go through some title odds here. Uncle Dave, the favorite in the AL East is the Yankees at four to one right now. The Rays are the second favorite. You could find them 17, 18, to one I found them on FanDuel and DraftKings, Red Sox, 43 to one at one book. I see a 30 to one out there. The Jays, they're pretty much around one hundred to one. That's their consensus. And it, the Orioles, if you really like the Orioles to go ahead and win it all, you can find them anywhere from like two hundred and fifty all the way up to seven hundred and fifty to one. I found last night. So, with all that said, Uncle Dave, those are the odds for the AL East teams. Tell me which team out of the AL East do you think has the best chance to go ahead and be the World Series champion this season?
1: Well, I think it has to be the Yankees, sleepy. On, on 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 paper. They have the best roster, and I, I'm, I'm not as high on them as a lot of people are. I see their win total is 37 and a half. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big number, uh, but if Cole is healthy, if Paxton can, you know, Paxton can go either way. I mean, I've, you've seen him throw, uh, you know, two hitters back to back to back almost, and, and Tanaka, that's time I worry about Tanaka a little bit. Uh, is teams that know him in this division, but uh, he should absolutely feast on the NL East. Um, J.A. Happ is steady Montgomery. Uh, and you know they can put runs on the board. So, you know, I, th- I think that Yankees number is, is pretty right on. Um, I'm not so sure about that win total. Sleepy is 37 and a half. I'm, I'm inclined to take the under for a couple of reasons. Number one, that would translate to 101 wins in a 160-game season which is you know certainly doable and they may or may not have done that but there's a good chance the Yankees will have a comfortable enough lead over most teams with the exception of maybe the Rays that you know come the last 8 or 10 or 12 games they may opt to rest some people because they just won't need to win so i don't find a lot of value on the Yankees at 4 to 1 but they're a favorite for a reason they'll probably win it again that's all predicated on on everybody being healthy or 60 games, obviously, which will be the case for any team that we talk about.
0: Now, you brought up season win totals, Uncle Dave, and I have one that I actually like. I'm going to get in that in just a minute. But since we're talking about title odds, we also have to make the playoff odds. Now, if you think the Yankees can win, and you obviously think they have a decent chance to go ahead and make the playoffs. And if you like the Yanks to make the playoffs, Uncle Dave, they're like minus 670. And if you think they're not going to make you can get a plus 460 on those guys. Now the other teams within the division, the O's are like thirty-three to one to make the playoffs. The Sox are two to one. The Jays are plus six fifty, and the Rays were actually even money at minus one ten on both sides. If you had to pick a team out of the AL East, and I'll, I'll take the Yankees out of it because you think that they they have a good chance to go ahead and win the title. You know, are there any other teams within that division that you think that could make the playoffs? Maybe the Rays or maybe the Sox.
1: Well, the the Rays certainly can, and I think. Um, there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, they have talent, but number two, um, they have cash who's a really good manager. And I think managers are going to be much more important uh, in this 60 game schedule than I think they, they might be otherwise. I mean, they're always important, but you know, I think keeping a team focused and, and keeping a team somewhat cohesive is totally, uh, it's always on the manager. And I think that's just going to be magnified a bit. You know, I love their Rays pitchers. I mean, they, they got Morton, Snell, you know Glass. Now it can go either way. Yarbrough, who will start, and he'll pitch an inning or two or three, and then Cash may take him out. Um, and they got an okay bullpen. I'm not in love with it, but it's okay. So I think the Rays will go as far as Cash takes them with the with the pitching. They picked up Hunter Renfro, who I really like. They tend to be a bit hit and miss at the plate. So when I do look at Tampa Bay as I do almost every year because they play in that serious pitchers park, I'll look at unders, but I think they can challenge. And obviously the odds bear that out, but I'm not going to count out Boston yet is, you know, in as much as uh, their pitching staff, quite frankly, sucks. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez is allegedly the number one starter and he's been sick. I don't know if it's COVID or not. Um, you know, Ivaldi throws 150 miles an hour, but doesn't get it over the plate. Martin Perez should get absolutely crushed in Fenway. Uh, so I don't like the Red Sox pitching staff at all. Um, good luck to Ron Renneke, the interim manager. That's another sort of sort of bad thing. But, you know, even losing bets, they're going to put up runs. I mean, they, they've still got Chavis, Devers, Bogarts, Benintendi, Jackie Bradley, uh, picked up Verdugo, and J.D. Martinez. So when I look at the Red Sox, I think, you know, it's only 60 games and weird things can happen. And, a team can get, like, white-hot at the plate for a good period of time and maybe overcome um, subpar pitching, and that's where i put the Red Sox. So I think if I was to create a team that could fight against the Yankees, I would take the Tampa Bay Rays pitchers and put them with the Red Sox offense. So there's kind of almost the, the, the black and white. They're, they're almost polar opposites of each other. Um, and what we'll boil down to is can Boston hit and can Tampa Bay pitch?
0: You know, when I was looking at the vision, when I was thinking to make the playoffs, my my concern was, you know, going up against that NL East pitching. And I understand the way that, you know, this season might line up where certain teams are just going to be out. You know, they're not not even going to be, you know, in the hunt for the playoffs. And maybe their pitchers don't pitch. Maybe they start resting guys. But my gut feeling, Uncle Dave, says that that NL East is like a dogfight all the way to the end. Whether it be the, the Mets, the Phillies, the Braves. Washington. I I just have a feeling that that's a dogfight, and a lot of these AL East teams, you know, they they might, you know, be in for a little bit of a rude awakening when they have to play those NL East teams. So, uh, for me, I'm gonna stay away from making any to make the playoff bets. But I do have a, a win total that I like. I actually like the Blue Jays under the 27 and a half. I just think that right now, if you look at the Yankees pitching, you know, the Red Sox lineup to go up against the Rays, they're they're gonna end up with this travel situation where you know Toronto's gonna have to travel a lot more than all those teams in the east and then you're going up against all those teams in the AL east now you know Uncle Dave one of the things that that you and I are digging a little deeper into that'll be hard to do kind of on this podcast is you know we're, we're looking at park factors and like where are these teams going and and are they pitchers parks hitters parks and that's probably a podcast you know for another day But the Jays will benefit from going into the NL East with some decent ballparks. But, you know, I worry that that those teams are going to be pretty good and they're going to see a lot of pitchers that they haven't seen before and good pitchers. So for me, I think over a 60-game season, you know, that the Jays might be out of it, you know, coming into that first week of September, and maybe they just let off the gas. You know, I'm not a huge, huge fan of their manager. I'm not a huge fan of their lineup. But overall, if I had to pick one team total – to go ahead and go under in the AL East it would be the Toronto Blue Jays at 27 and a half. Uncle Dave, I could run down some of the uh the totals here and maybe you could go ahead and touch on, you know, that particular team and how you feel about them. Right now the Orioles right now 20 and a half wins on the season. How would you feel about the uh the Orioles over under this year?
1: You know, Sleepy um, first of all, I'm inclined to agree with you on your Toronto bet. They, they have uh, some veteran pitchers with huge upsides, but I think it would require some offense that doesn't look really like have. Um, you know, Baltimore, it's just, uh, it, it's just incredibly easy to take the under. Um, I, would, I would look at that over, and I could be dead wrong. You know, this will probably be the first September in decades that the Orioles haven't been eliminated from playoff contention. Um, but, you know, they have potentially got a starting rotation. I almost think it's better than Boston's. You know, I love John Means. Alex Cobb, huge upside from when he was with the Rays. Wade LeBlanc, big upside, been around a while, knows how to pitch. And they actually do have some people that can hit the ball. You know, last year, Chris Davis, I think, what did he start off with? over 66. You know, that's not going to happen again. They got some speed in the outfield with Smith and Hayes um I like Pedro Severino so you know to win 21 games that is winning 55 games in a 160 game two game season or thereabouts which would be uh a 107 loss team which you know they do suck but remember this is a short season and anything can happen now what I would need to do to go ahead and sort of cement that and make it a you know, a sleepy cast official bet, you know, let's see who Baltimore plays later in the season because, you know, they may be playing teams that are out of it. And, you know, it may be it may be a fair fight. I don't know. Um, you mentioned the NL East and um, I am inclined to agree with you there. I think it's a total dogfight. And I think the odds justify that or they bear that out. I looked I looked a little while ago and they were, you know, they were all fairly close, except for or maybe Miami, and you know I don't I don't even want to sleep on Miami. I I, I do actually like their pitching staff with Al Canatra and Caleb Smith, but you know the Orioles it's kind of ballsy, but I think they can win 21 games again. That's only 55 in 162 win season, and you know they get playing playing in the last 10 or 12 games of the year if they're playing against you know Miami, Toronto teams that are out of it. You know, any of those NL East teams that are that are hence out of it that you might not think, you know, maybe they can go 500, you know, six and six their last dozen or so games. So, you know, if you made me pick one, I would I would take Baltimore's over.
0: You know, Uncle Dave, as you were talking, I'm going through the schedule and I'm like, who does Baltimore play at the end of the year? Well, they play Atlanta, Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto. And look, if all those teams are out. You know, I mean, they're going to end up with 12 games at the end of the year where, you know, the Orioles probably play out the entire season, their entire pitching staff, their manager. They're probably full go all the way. And if, if they do end up, you know, maybe six, seven games out with 13 left, you know, maybe they end up playing teams that are like, all right, we're just sitting guys we're we're looking for next year's talent or whatever. You know, there, there is a potential that the Orioles go over. Most people are just going to blindly go ahead and go under. But again, you know, this season, you know, it presents itself with a lot of unique opportunities. And the picture obviously is going to become clear as we come, you know, closer and closer to each individual game. You know, we're going to have a better idea. But as of right now, you know, we have to bet these totals before the season starts. And we're trying to come up with, you know, reasons why or why not to go ahead, and bet on or bet against the team. And, you know, for me, Uncle Dave, I think that, you know, the angle that we have here with, you know, teams who are going to be out or, you know, look. Maybe players just don't want to be there and they're like, you know what, this sucks. I, I, don't, want, I don't want to do this. I don't need it. Um, I don't need the money. You know, big players like Mike Trout, who, you know, he potentially could be the richest MLB player uh, right now playing in the league. You know, he's not exactly in, in favor of playing baseball this season. So there might be guys on the Red Sox and, you know, Atlanta and Toronto at the end of the season who, are, who eventually, you know, say, what, screw it, we're going to throw the towel in. And maybe a team like the Orioles, you know, they get lucky. Let's jump over to the Red Sox. Uncle Dave, they have 30 and a half for a total. I was in favor of Boston starting out when I looked. I'm like, look at the lineup. And one of the things that I talked about, Uncle Dave, in our past podcast when we discussed baseball is, you know, I want a team with with hitters on the team. Guys who have good averages. I I could care less about power. I need guys that are going to be able to go in there, step into the box and be able to hit the ball. You know, whether they're 280, 290, 300 plus hitters. Those are the teams that I want. You know, I want as many of those guys stepping in the box for a team as possible if I'm looking to back them. And the Red Sox, you know, they have a number of guys that can hit the baseball. I think their pitching staff is not that bad. I I actually think it's improved from last year. And I would be inclined maybe to bet that total over. Talk me in or talk me out of that one.
1: Well, what that would equate to, I believe, is 82 wins on the season. And they won 84 last year. So the question is, are they better or are they worse? Now, obviously, they got rid of bets, and that's a huge deal. But as I said earlier, they do have talent at the plate, and I think they have something to prove. So when I – you know, I, I go back to their pitching staff, and I think that that is going to be uh, – when in Boston wins or loses more than 30 games – You know, if Rodriguez is healthy, if Evaldi gets the ball over the plate, if they let Martin Perez pitch anywhere but in Fenway Park, Ryan Weber has an upside. Don't forget they picked up Colin McHugh, who uh, he's had some health issues, but his upside is actually pretty good. So if I had to, um, and again, you know, I think they're going to get situations where uh, they're going to play teams that are out of it. Obviously, everybody is. And I think Boston might have something to prove. And, and, you know, I think the whole thing is the cohesiveness, whether, you know, they come together and get over the whole bets thing and whatnot. And that's all going to be on Renicky, And he basically has a free pass because he's the interim manager. Obviously, he wants to be the longer-term manager. Um, I'm not sure they would take Alex Cora back after the sign-stealing stuff. So I think Boston might be a little underrated. I don't love them winning 31 uh, but that's only a shade over 500 and I just don't think they suck that bad so I would go with Boston to win a game or two more than their season win total
0: and I think if they start out decent because they're gonna end up playing 13 of their first 23 games against the Rays and the Yankees at least if they play 500 ball you know coming down the stretch that's a team that're gonna be talking about like oh, their their SOS is just so much easier, you know, In and really I guess you could say in the last 75% of the season uh, versus the beginning. You know, that's a team that you, that you certainly might want to go ahead and look out for. All right, Uncle Dave, so that wraps up Boston. Let's jump over to one of the teams that everybody's been talking about. Everybody seems to be high on the Tampa Bay Rays right now. Their total, surprisingly, probably to a lot of people, 33 and a half, just four games behind that Yankees total. Uncle Dave, for me, it's pretty simple. I think that that total is being based off of pitching. And I like their starting pitching, and I actually like their bullpen. If you go through and you look at their rankings, at least their pitching rankings, you know, the Rays are, are like second right now. Their bullpen, I think, was ranked number one by some up to like number like five. But they're up there. They're, 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 a lot of people like that bullpen. A lot of people like that starting pitching. And it's not like I don't like the lineup, but I think the pitching is the reason why that total is so high. And one of the reasons why I think that the Tampa Bay Rays have a potential to make the playoffs, maybe even win this division. They could even win the whole damn thing is because, Uncle Dave, I think a lot of these teams, I think the pitching is going to come out a lot stronger than the hitting. So if I have a team that has, you know, they got a deep four guys, at least on that team and their and their bullprint's pretty good. If they come out and the pitchers are – the way I'm thinking about it, if I'm right, that pitching is going to come out better than hitting, this Rays team is going to be tough to beat in the beginning of the season. And if these guys really get in their groove, I just think that they're going to be tough that they could eclipse that 33-and-a-half. I like the Rays. I like the Rays pitching. Not really high on their lineup, but I think the pitching is what carries them through the entire season until the season actually does end, no matter where they end up. How are you feeling about the Rays?
1: Well, I don't, I don't disagree with you there at all. I think a big advantage the Rays have is a very tangible one, and that would be their ballpark. I mean, they play in a dome. We know that. And I think that when opposing teams come there, uh, that's a little intimidating. None of them ever play there. I mean, the AL East does, but if you look at their record against the AL East at home, it's actually quite good. you got the NL East coming in there, and I think that's a huge problem. A lot of those teams – uh, rely on hitting, and that is such a pitcher's park that you know I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, we talked about prorating things out, and if you prorate out the, their win total versus the Yankees' win total and multiply it times 2.7, which would be the full season, you're saying that the Yankees are, I believe, about 12 and a half games better than the Rays, and I don't think they are. I mean, on paper, maybe. But that's a big number. So I'm, I'm with you there that I think the Rays can, can can get to that win total. Of course, we've talked about several teams in this division getting to their win total, and they all won't. Uh, and one that might not is the Yankees. But I'm with you on the Rays for sure. Um, I can't, I'd love to argue with you because it's fun, but I can't on this one.
0: Well, one of the things we, we you know, when you brought up pro-rated, You know, we were arguing a little bit on the back end of this podcast where, you know, we would have to get into a deeper dive podcast. And this isn't the one for that. But, you know, we talked about prorating things, Uncle Dave. We talked about the schedule and you and I went through and we we started prorating the miles traveled because they they put a list out where, you know, the Rangers were the team that was going to travel the most and the Brewers were going to be the team that were that traveled the less. So we went through and we took the 60 games versus a normal 162 and we prorated it out, and what we found is that the Rays last year they were the third most traveled team in the league. They they went they traveled somewhere around like I think it was like forty thousand or thirty thousand miles. But this season they're going to be like the eighth or ninth most traveled team. So they got a little bit of a benefit, but still, Uncle Dave, out of all the teams in the AL East and the NL East, the Rays are going to be the team that has the most travel. Do you think that that hurts them in any way, shape, or form, being that they're down there in Florida and they'll have to do the most traveling out of all those Eastern teams? You
1: know, normally I would say yes, but they're used to doing that, like you like you said. I mean, if you look at what they did last year, you know, they were, I believe, the, the third most traveled team last year. Uh, I think they were just behind Oakland and Seattle, which would figure, because, you know, Seattle's about as far as you can go in any one direction. So this kind of made me feel good about our – our content for our listeners. I believe that six or seven of the bottom seven or eight teams that will travel the least this year in baseball are all from either the AL or the NL Central. And before I saw this, we talked about that on our very last podcast when you had asked me about who might benefit. And there's your answer. It's it's a ridiculously small amount of miles for those teams. I guess we'll get into that more when we do the NL and AL Centrals. But I did want to ask you one question, Sleepy. I know you love the Rays, and I don't just love the Rays. But I would like you to tell me what you think of Snellzilla uh, after he sort of came out on Twitter and didn't didn't say very nice things, or at least it wasn't taken that way. And and now, so tell me about tell me about your boy Blake Snell.
0: Well, I think he was a big question mark, Uncle Dave when it came to, is he going to play, is he not going to play? And then they started looking to look into player props. We're going to talk a bunch of player props in the AL East before we get done with our podcast. But if you go through and you look at Blake Snell, he has the least amount of player props out of like any of the guys in the AL East, especially out of the all. Like even I went through and I looked at pitchers uh, throughout the league, and it seems like Blake Snell has like the least amount of player props, and that's a concern for me. And look, if Snell says, you know what, I don't want to play, because we're seeing it in the NBA. We're, what, how many, what, three weeks away? Uh, guys are being like, I, you know, I don't want to play, or or I have this injury and I don't want to play. And it's like, you know, if he comes out and he's like, I don't want to play, well, then guess what? Then Tampa Bay is done. They're, they're not they're probably not going to win the 33 games. Um, he's just that valuable to that franchise. I don't know how you feel about, you know, Snell overall, Uncle Dave. It's not something that you and I talked about. but. If let's just say Blake Snell doesn't play, you know what happens to the Rays if if he's not pitching this season?
1: Well, I think you could say that about a lot of guys. You know, Trout hasn't been, you know, Mister Happy and Mister Excited about playing. And uh, and Snell, you know, two years ago I thought he was beast mode, and he was. I believe he finished second to maybe I think it was Chris Sale for the Cy Young. Um, I could be wrong. Um, He might even have won it, but you know, my memory is only focused on what's happening now. And last year, you know, there were times where he just didn't look good. I mean, he couldn't get the ball over the plate. So I'm not, you know, I I think that he's better than average, but I think maybe that super year he had was the outlier. I think he may have tried to duplicate that last year and he got a little out of control. Um, And now, of course, maybe emotionally, I mean, he came out and said that stuff that was, You know, if it were me, I would have just kept my mouth shut for the time being rather than put my feelings out on Twitter. Um, So how do I feel about him? I think the truth with him is somewhere in the middle. I don't think he's as elite as maybe he was. I don't think he sucks as as bad as he did at times last year. I'm still with you that if he doesn't play, that's a real problem for Tampa Bay because, you know, he's better than average and he's an innings eater, if nothing else. So. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll take the wait and see attitude, but I agree with you on the props and I'm I'm thinking I would, I would probably take unders on his, if I, if I had the availability to do that.
0: And that's a scary situation for a lot of betters is if you, you know, you go all in or, you know, you make a decent sized bet, you know, on a guy who, you know, potentially might not play, you know, that it could really, you know, do some serious damage to your bankroll. Uncle Dave, speaking of scary situation, what about, uh. Tanaka, the other day, how he took a liner off the head from Stanton. I'm pretty sure that you saw that. You know, that's scary stuff there. I did not want to see that. And it's like, you know, every day I, I turn Twitter on, I'm like rooting for the positive. And I see that, and I'm like, oh, here we go. The guy gets hit in the head, and I'm like, thank God he got up and he was okay. And he went to the hospital and got tested. And it's like, you know, you got, you took a good knock there, buddy. But it looks like Tanaka will be okay. Now, Uncle Dave, I have a ton of player props here. And a lot of them are surrounded around the Yankee players because, you know, there's bigger names on there. You have Garrett Cole, you have Tanaka, you have Stanton, Judge. Uh, Glaber Torres actually is on this list as well. And I was inclined to go ahead and and really stay away from the Yankee players, at least betting them under. Because I have a feeling that, you know, the Yankees make the playoffs. They're going to go all out. And if there's a potential for a team or players to go over their numbers at least player props you know it's going to be a team that makes the playoffs because they're going to have to play all out now i'm looking at fading a lot of the other guys do i think boston makes the playoffs um you know i i think it's 50 50 do i think you know uh jd martinez and rafael devers have a potential to to go under i do because if they don't make the playoffs I think that that's going to be tough, not to mention the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm putting into my handicap that they have to go up against all those NL East pitchers who, you know, they're not going to be a walk in the park. So I'm looking at a lot of these props, and we can go through each and every one of them if you would like, but I sent you the list. I don't know if you have anybody right now that I sent you that, that you're looking at currently um, to go over or go under their season props.
1: Well, we actually I do, as a matter of fact, and it involves a player you just brought up, so – Nice segue. Thank you for that. Rafael Devers. I see at that MGM, his RBI total over-under is 33.5. And, and as much as I'm inclined to normally take unders, I'm a Rafael Devers fan. I mean, the kid came up in 17 and, and kind of lit things on fire. And then he was hurt a fair bit in 2018. He finally played a full year last year. Remember, he's only 23. He had 32 homers, he had 311, Um, he walked about 50 times, he had 54 doubles. Yeah, he strikes out a fair bit, but RBIs, over 33 and a half, he had 115 last year. And if you want to extrapolate that backwards, as we've been doing, that translates to 42. If it's over-under, or 42 and a half, to be precise, if it's over-under, is 33 and a half, that's a pretty good overlay for me, uh, for a team that... Is gonna have runners on base. You know he needs to he needs to knock out his strikeouts are a little bit too high, uh, but the kid's only 23, and especially at that age and at this time, uh, in the sort of pandemic climate, if you will, I feel fairly certain he's going to be putting his absolute best foot forward. So I really like Devers over 33 and a half RBIs, and it will be rare for me to take too many overs, but I really do like that one.
0: Uncle Dave, I do have a question for you when it comes to Stanton and his RBIs. One of the things I'm looking at is in order for you to go ahead and get those RBIs, we need to get guys on base. You know, you got guys that can hit the ball like LeMayhew. You know, he's just a solid hitter. He's probably going to end up on base. But one of the things with Stanton, and I'm not sure off the top of your head, if you looked at this, and and I haven't done all the work, but he comes from the NL East. There's going to be a lot of pitchers, you know, that that are in the NL East that he's going to see again for the second time. I think that gives him the benefit. So I'm not going to look at the at the hits. I'm not going to look at the home runs or, you know, total runs for him. But I think RBIs might be something that I would consider for Stanton. Do you know off the top of your head, Uncle Dave, how many pitchers in the NL East that he's going to see that he's seen in the past? Because, you know, he hasn't really been out of the NL East for that long, away from Miami. Is there is there any chance that what I'm thinking about, at least when I dig a little bit deeper, that, Know there's a little bit of merit in that. That maybe that's something I can dig deep on and maybe even make a bet on.
1: I mean, yeah, that's a very valid point. I mean, I don't know who was, it, who was and who wasn't there in 2017 with the fish, and uh, you know, I know a lot of the a lot of the nationals pitches will be there. I, mean, I think you'll see a lot of the same guys. But I I think what will benefit him in that situation and this is something I thought of when we were talking off air, and and I'm glad you brought that up or at least brought it to the forefront of my memory again. He will have played in those parks quite a bit. So he's going to be familiar with the sight lines um, as opposed to some other guys who are going to play in parks they haven't played in before. You know, in terms of RBIs, you know, Stanton is like absolutely feast or famine. You know, he didn't play last year. I don't know what kind of – he played 18 games uh, and struck out 24 times. And uh, the year prior to that, he struck out 211 times. So he's, he's totally feast or famine. He only played full seasons twice. I think the, the last year with Miami and the first year with the Yankees. Uh, and, and the last year with Miami had 132 RBIs. And he plays a full season with the Yankees, with with clearly a much better team, uh, and only has 100 RBIs, uh, and and obviously strikes out you know 48 more times. So my my visceral reaction would be that uh, Stanton's RBIs are under. But I again I'm speaking from from strictly looking at stuff right at this very moment, rather than having done some of the homework you have, but a very good point about pitchers that he will have seen before. You could argue the other way, pitchers that will have seen him before. Uh, But I think what he does have in his favor is playing in parks that he's familiar with.
0: You know, and that kind of just beefs up my, my thought that if I'm going to take any of the Yankee guys to go over, you know, I want a guy that's familiar with, you know, pitching and, and parks and, You know, there's there's no other guy really on the Yankees except for Stanton. That's certainly something I'm going to dig into. But I do have one more question, Uncle Dave, because you brought up, you know, Stanton not finishing out the seasons. Obviously, this guy's a world-class talent, world-class baseball player. Hopefully, it doesn't take him too long to get going. Maybe he steps in there. Maybe he's refreshed. I don't know. But, Uncle Dave, you know, with this guy in particular, I feel like he's let his team down, you know, a couple years in a row and the Yankees being that they're favored, you know, with the Dodgers right now to go ahead and win the World Series, are actually the second favorite, but I mean, they're right there. I mean, if everybody's picking teams, um, you know, a lot of people are picking the Yankees. Do you think that if if he goes out and maybe he gets like a little muscle strain or something that would normally sideline him for, you know, a week or two, that he plays through it and maybe even the trainers say, look, it's a 60-game season. We're going to have you know, eight months off or however long we're going to have off because a lot of these, you know, sports aren't going to start back up on time again even next year. Do you think that maybe Stanton just says, you know what, I let my guys down in the past, or maybe he feels like he let them down in some way, shape, or form because the Yankees didn't win it last year. Do you think that maybe he just he pushes through the season and says, I'm going to play all 60 games, um, even if it, I'm just talking like minor type stuff where, you know, maybe it's like, oh, put him on the DL for 10 days or whatever. You think that, you know, maybe one – He's thinking, I, I, I can't let my team down this year until I'm really going to play through everything, you know, this season because, you know, he's he's going to be highly dependent on.
1: Um, I think that would be his goal and his thought process. But if you want to look back at his history, I mean, he, he's been in the league 10 years, and that kind of surprised me. I mean, he played uh, for the Florida Marlins before they became – Miami Marlins in 2000 and 2010 and he played 150 games each season so he's been in the league a while um, so that did surprise me a little bit and then I look back at what he did over time you know and he had that career year uh, right before the trade right before the new contract as as so many of them does and you know I look at his on base percentage over the years I mean the 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 2018, it was it was 343 because he had those huge strikeouts and and 326, 346, 361. So, you know, honestly, Sleepy, I just don't think he's that good anymore. I I think I don't think people are afraid of him anymore. So, you know, he may want to play all those games and you may want to play over, uh, but I just don't think he's that good. And you know, if you haven't played a meaningful game in two years. Uh, And how do you get ready on a half-ass spring training in a matter of weeks? So I would disagree on stand over props. I would love to be wrong and you to be right because I don't have any skin in the game, but I just think Stanton is a shadow of his one-year wonder.
0: Well, it certainly gave me something to think about, Uncle Dave. And that's why we, you know, we talk and communicate as much as we do so we can, you know, iron out all these points. And eventually, you know, we, we find, you know, we find the best bets and, Everybody that's listening, you know, you get to listen to sometimes, you know, Uncle Dave and I's thought process and, and what we think about as we go ahead and make these bets. But if I was going to go ahead and play, you know, really any of the Yankee guys over, it would probably be Stanton. But again, you know, I, I have to talk with guys like Uncle Dave so they can, you know, kind of wake me up to the fact that there's, you know, a lot of other things for me to look at, too, because you know, I don't want to spread myself too thin and, two, I don't want to go ahead and be too narrow. Where you know I'm just thinking in one direction, and Uncle Dave could you know say, "Look, you you, you can't think that way. You have to think about this as well." So, uh, good talk there, with you, Uncle Dave. At least on Stanton. Are there any other guys, Uncle Dave, within uh, that division? What about uh, what about Garrett Cole? Obviously, he has like a t- strikeout total that's you know quite insane. You know, 104 strikeouts on the season. You know, what if the Yankees wrap this division up early, and you know there's two or three starts that he, he doesn't have to make or. You know, one of the points that you brought up, are these guys going to go seven, eight, nine innings or are they just going to go out and pitch their five? And, you know, and with this Yankees lineup, I mean, Uncle Dave, you've seen it before. His team puts up runs in bunches. You know, if they're up 12 nothing and Garrett Cole stand on the mound in the fifth inning, you know, with, you know, 80 pitches under his belt or 60 or 70 pitches and where the odds they bring him out. For that extra work, you know, where he's going to get that extra strikeout or two, what do you think about Garrett Cole with at least his strikeout total for this season?
1: well my my first thought there is clearly uh, you know is he going to pitch that number of innings? and I would have to say, no, absolutely not. Now again, if he has when you say hundred and three hundred four strikeouts, that's two hundred and eighty in a season. And he's only done that once. Obviously, last year he struck out three twenty-six with the Astros, but by the same token, he had to throw two hundred and twelve innings. And you know, the guy's thrown two hundred or more innings uh, five of in the last six years. You know, that's a lot of that's a lot of arm uh, tosses out there. I would be leery of him going over. And the other thing you have to factor in, or I would, you know, and I'm I'm speaking uh, from the cuff here is that the Yankees are going to play the NL East, which is all well and good, but that's 20 games with a DH as opposed to 20 games with a pitcher. So my inclination would be to say under. Uh, if that equates to him getting 280 on a, on a full season, something he only did last year, I mean, he came close the year before, uh, but is that something that he can... Continue to duplicate. I mean, last year his whip was .89. Um, he gave up 142 hits in 212 innings. I mean, can can he do that again? I don't know. So I'm inclined to say under sleepy.
0: And that's a great point, Uncle Dave, that you brought up. The fact that the National League is not going to have pitchers this year, they're going to end up with the DH this year. And this is something that you and I dug into. We went through and we looked at Cole. Now, Cole's in the AL last year, but he still has to play some of those interleague games against the National League. Well, it turned out that 13% of his overall strikeouts came against the National League. Now, how many of those were pitchers? You know, we don't know that information if our listeners want to look for that information. But Uncle Dave, I I think, you know, that there's got to be at least a handful of pitchers that he faced that he easily struck out. He's not going to have that luxury. So I wonder if that is included into this total. I would assume not. But Uncle Dave, I'll throw it to you here. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, well, it's not. You know, as you were talking earlier about books, just kind of throwing up numbers. I mean, they're, they don't have the luxury of, of picking and choosing what props they want to throw up there. We have the choice of picking and choosing what props we want to bet on. And for them to throw up a number that equates to 280, I mean, that's a pretty lazy way to do it. They think, okay, he's not going to strike out prorated 326 again. You know, Nolan Ryan hardly does that. Um, So they just kind of took a weighted average. We'll go back to the year before he struck out 280, you know, something he never did with the Pirates. I think his best year with the Pirates was 202. So they come up with a number and then they say, okay, well, at least for the Yankees, public team. Okay, it's Garrett Cole, public pitcher. So then it becomes Garrett Cole inflated, if you will, much like betting on the Yankees and the Dodgers is all season, much like betting on the Patriots used to be uh, or betting on the 49ers will be. So I clearly think there's a, a bookie fudge factor built in there at that number when you factor in all the little things, like, like you said, you know, he's, he's not going to have any NL games with pitchers. Um, He's going to have to pitch, you know, now he had two years in Houston and he had phenomenal years, which last year was like super phenomenal. You wouldn't expect that. But remember he pitched five years in Pittsburgh so now he's coming over to the AL or nobody's seen him. So you would expect him to do fairly well. And now he doesn't have that luxury and everybody's seen him. doesn't mean he's going to suck, but to get 104 strikeouts might be a stretch.
0: One more thing just to touch on before we close out this pod, Uncle Dave, is the fact that, you know, earlier you brought up something about, you know, are these players in contract years? And I don't know if we said it on the pod or if we were just talking offline about that but you know, Garrett Cole signed this monster contract. Like, you know, it may there, maybe there's even an incentive where he's like, look, I I can go out and pitch today if I want to, but you know, I got my money. It's not like he's being forced to go out there. I think if it's look, 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 the season's on the line, the game's on the line. Well, yeah, you're going to see Garrett Cole. But I think if there's any leeway or any type of, you know, way for him to escape, you know, it's like, I think that's another thing that we throw in there for, you know, maybe potentially fading Garrett Cole in some of these areas. So, At least as we're talking here, Uncle Dave, it seems to me like we're starting to stack things up to go ahead and say, let's not go ahead and play Garrett Cole overs. Um, Maybe we start looking at the unders and we, you know, dig in individual props, but at least a strikeout prop, you know, it's starting to sound like maybe, you know, the under might be the way to go. So we haven't officially, you know, dug in or, or made a pick. But as I said, we really haven't made any picks on this pod, but we're kind of just giving you guys, you know, what it is and how we're thinking and and some of the information that's out there. So, since we did the AL East, Uncle Dave, I want to go ahead and I want to do the NL East in our next division pod. And I figure we'll probably do that in like a day or so. Hopefully, we can get that one done and out of the way. And a lot of what we talk about in the NL East, we'll be able to, you know, go ahead and smooth out because we already talked about the AL East. Well, that's it, guys. That's it for our podcast. Went a little bit longer than than we, than we expected, but that's to be expected when you go ahead and you get Uncle Dave and I going ahead talking about baseball uh, support this so obviously we're both starving for but one that we honestly love to go ahead and bet on guys you can find me at twitter SleepyJ underscore pregame and you can always get uncle dave at dave underscore essler and you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web pregame.com with that said I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck enjoy the games